0: Good, good, good. Well, thank you, Benjamin. Okay, so we're in Philippians chapter 4, I think, is our final session. And we're going to read some verses from verse 4. So Paul writes Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard, learned or received from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. One of the things that, as well, my my little confession pet hates is when people make sweeping statements like, the Bible clearly says, because often the Bible doesn't clearly say, the Bible is more nuanced and complex. But some places the Bible does clearly say, something and it says that here do not be anxious about anything so that's the focus of our talk this morning um, I also want to just say at the beginning that I don't want to minimize this subject I know that if Caroline is anxious and I say just don't worry it doesn't often help um, I'm aware that for some of us in the room, anxiety is a big issue. Uh, it's something which has got a hold, got a grip on you, and, and just by listening to a talk or getting prayer may not help the situation, and therefore you may already be in therapy or having counseling, and let me encourage you to continue in that process. But actually, the outcome that we're looking for is for freedom, is for peace, uh, that the God of peace who is with you will help lead you into a better future. And, uh, and so I just want to make that comment at the, at the start that, that hope is the anticipation of a better future. And that better future is about peace and shalom, well-being. Uh, but I want to just talk specifically about three areas where we can fall into anxiety. And I want to be very specific and very current. And so... I want to just talk a little bit about next weekend, our transition of leadership. Uh, I want to talk a bit about don't be anxious about the economy, you know, our current news stories. Uh, And third, it won't be me talking, it'll be Caroline talking about uh, two years ago this month she was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, she'll share her own journey on facing uh, that. And so... And how she, she came through with that. So that's three, three areas for us to talk about uh, this morning. Just as we sat down uh, after the worship, she, she turned to me and said, make sure you give me plenty of time. <laughs> so I'm under pressure now. I have anxiety already rising up within me. If, what does that mean? You know, how, how long is long enough? <laughs> okay. So next weekend uh, will be only the second time in our short history that we have transitioned leadership, uh, and so it will be an, an, an historic moment uh, and one I would encourage you all to make the effort to be here and uh, and uh, just participate in in uh, what will be a significant time so today will be my final talk as technically the senior leader so so um, um, I can remember my first ever talk I did at Central Hall, and um, it was when, I, when the stage was back here, and uh, I actually, my, my first ever talk, it was 1994, uh, and uh, I talked about the role of women, which was a tricky topic to tackle back then as a youngster, and uh, I remember I got on my knees and repented to all the women in the room on behalf of what men had done and how they positioned them, and so that was my, my very first talk, today won't be quite as controversial. Um, it'll be safer, uh, but I'm I, I'm not like retiring and going to live by the beach. You know, it's just that the other areas of responsibility that I've been called I, I I do within the Pioneer, in particular, have been growing both in the city here and across the nations. In the past few years, um, we've gone from supporting emerging church networks in Australia and New Zealand and across uh, Asia and uh, sh- Sri Lanka and India and Nepal, to, to now over 20 nations that you know I am personally investing in, supporting the leaders in those places in in, uh, in in Pakistan, in France, in Kosovo, in Cyprus, Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa, Uganda, Ghana, Liberia, Sierra Leone, Guinea, Nigeria, Cuba, and the USA. So it got to a point where I didn't feel I could any longer. Uh, be the local senior leader here at New Community Church, and so we made the decision um, in consultation with the rest of the team and the trustees and to step back from that role, uh, and, uh, and Theo and Sarah will be stepping up into that role, although they've been doing the role for the last few months, as you've probably noticed, and, 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 but next weekend uh, we'll be formally coronated <laughs> So when the Queen died, King Charles became King Charles. He was doing the job, but didn't get the coronet. It's a bit like that, really. You know, I haven't died, but they have assumed the role and will be you know, formally, officially getting prayed in. So, on, so we've, we've got a signal. So next Sunday afternoon, all of our email signatures, job titles will change, and the website will change, and so it'll go, but next weekend is that weekend. And I want to say don't be anxious Theon Sarah don't be anxious because this is God's church it's not built around a personality or a person's gift God breathed this church into existence you know Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 so what after all is Apollos and what is Paul we are only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. But God is the one who has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have the same purpose. And they will each be awarded Rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. And you are God's field, God's building. And so, what after all is Billy? What after all is Theo? We are simply God's servants. It's vital that the leadership of this church passes to the next generation. Um, And as I said, this is only the second time we've actually done this in, in our church community but it's a new season and requires new leadership Um, and I need you to know that uh, Theo and Sarah were not just the the obvious choice and therefore we just you know shoehorn them in no no we we had a robust process uh, of discernment uh, with members of the leadership team and trustees uh, external apostolic input to really process with them and, 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 and particularly to ask the question, do you know that God has called you to this role? And so we were encouraged over that period of time to hear that positively affirmed, that yes, we feel that God has called us. That to me is the most important thing. Thea and Sarah and Karen and I are different You know, I have my own strengths and weaknesses. Theo has his strengths and weaknesses. But but they know God has called them. And therefore, where there are gaps, God will fill. God will add to Theo and Sarah, as we particularly believe as we pray next weekend and we lay hands on them there's an impartation of holy spirit that if you like lifts people to to a, to a to a new place of grace and, and anointing otherwise it's pointless and i'm confident that they have all that they need to lead this church into the future don't be anxious don't worry it's god's church and he is the one who is building it second thing to say is this don't worry about money you know the, oh my gosh this week i'd i'd planned to well i, I was given this this topic like weeks ago and then th- this week talk about raising anxiety levels i mean all week it's been doom and gloom and you know um i tried to stop looking at my news app because it was so depressing like every day is you know this is falling and that's falling and this is crashing and that's crashing and you know that, on top of you know, the Brexit and energy crisis and the cost of living, and so so it it's tempting to leave to, to fall into anxiety. But but Jesus said, "Don't be anxious about anything," which must include this. So Matthew chapter six, Jesus himself says this: "I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body." What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. So don't worry. How, how, how can I say that with confidence? Um, Shirley talked earlier about God's faithfulness. And so I think there is like what I call like a natural order um, in biblical terms. You know, Ben talked about it at the start of the. Meeting, you know, coming to the, to the edge of the promised land and, and they, they, they pulled back. But the promise was this. When you get into the land, you'll settle there, you'll, you'll sow, you'll reap and you'll eat the fruit. That, that to me is like the natural order. It's like we sow, we reap, we, we benefit from the things that we, that we do. We, we, um, we, we, we work, we, we save, we invest, we steward our finances well. And, and God does look after us and bless us. Even, even in challenging circumstances, you know, uh, when Israel were taken into captivity in Babylon and the prophet Jeremiah said, listen, listen, settle down, but build your houses, plant your gardens, and eat, eat what they produce. So, so there is this natural order where, where as we just give ourselves to that, that way, God blesses us. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, we, we we read there. My, don't say don't say to yourself. My power and, and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant. So even though we we work hard, we save, we invest, we steward our finances well. God is the one who, who, who adds wealth to us. So I was talking to Olaf a few years ago, who's a surgeon. He said, all I do is like reset or remove things, but God is the one who heals. The same principle. We can put things in place, but God is the one who who adds his blessing. So there's this this natural order. Um, God gives success and promotions and pay rises and bonuses. And so we can all testify to that. Put your hands up if you can testify to God blessing you just in that natural everyday way of being. so, So we've all experienced that, okay? Um, which is why Paul says, Pray for your rulers, because we don't to pray for peace. So we have to pray for our rulers right now, you know, uh, because they can either create good circumstances or not as good circumstances. And so um, in, in our nation, uh, but many nations have been suffering like this for years and years. And even years. Dave and Neil have just come back from Kibera and, you know, this big, biggest slum in the world. and uh, we have Ali and Suya from Cuba, where the circumstances at a political level are not great, but still, in those contexts, God is able to bless and provide. So, there is this n- natural way of, of being. But I think on top of that, there is the supernatural provision as well. So, for 40 years, Israel wandered in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, they had food every day supernaturally. So, so God breaks in supernaturally. Elijah, is the prophet, is taken to a brook and he has water and then birds bring food to him. Uh, the widow has massive debt and the prophet Elijah says... What have you got? I've got some oil. Go and get loads of jugs and jars from your neighbours, and actually fill up those jugs and jars with the oil. And she does that, and it multiplies. You know, Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds, feeds five thousand people. So those supernatural things happen. Jesus need need to pay a tax bill. He said to Peter, 've well, go and throw your rod in." in gets a fish, and the fish has got a coin in his mouth, and it's just just what he needs for the tax bill. So God is able to do that. When we're struggling, when we're panicking, when we're anxious, God God can break in and do supernatural things. The third way that God provides is through us. You know, in Acts chapter 4, it talks about the body, and it says, there was no needy among them because... From time to time people who owned houses and land sold them brought the money from the sales and gave it to the apostles and they distributed to those who had need and so so i think we we step in you know i feel that um a challenge to to, to us is it possible we get through this crisis and we can say in this community there's no needy among us why because we've all helped out Could could we make a statement that with Hope Community School, who is a a community that we have initiated, if you like, there is no needy family in that school over this next 6, 12, 18 months. So we are providing. I see Sean up those feeding people every, every week. We step in. And provide, and so I want to say to you: Don't be anxious about the economy. God will provide, in one way or another. God will provide. Thirdly, Caroline, I've given you fifteen minutes, honey.
1: Hi, everybody. It's nice to see you. Um, At the Pioneer Conference in 2020, I think that was here, um, I was talking to Julian Richards, who incidentally is doing the away day. Um, Julian's a lovely guy. And I was talking to him, and I said, wouldn't it be amazing if we could run an event in Central Hall called Taste of Heaven and we just were in here and we were all just singing in tongues and people could just wander in and think, wow, what's that like? You know, they're not likely to wander in but anyway, I just like the idea and I was talking to Julian about it and he said, oh, have you read this book? It's called Imagine Heaven and uh, It's a book by John Burke. It's this one. Imagine Heaven by John Burke. And he told me about it. And God has a habit of bringing books into my life at the right time. And this one was no exception. To be honest, I don't read a lot these days. I used to devour Christian books, which was right at the time. Now I don't partly because I don't want a relationship with books I want a relationship with Jesus so when a book comes along and somebody says something to me about it I pay attention and this was one so I ordered it I checked on Amazon last night March 2020 I ordered it and it's a book that is written by a Christian and a man who's an engineer, very scientific. And he analysed and studied people's near-death experiences. Ooh, we're getting into some dodgy, dodgy ground here. <laughs> um, but what he wanted to do was analyse people's stories of near-death experiences and just find out what the common elements were. And, um, and he wrote about it. And I read it in March, 2020. In October, 2020, I found a lump in my breast and uh, I was sent off to the hospital on my own for a scan, cause it was, you know, pandemic time. And I had the scan and then I was put in this little room which ominously had a box of tissues on the table. And I thought, uh oh, Um, and then the, the doctor came in and she said, yes, you have a tumour and we've got to do more tests and all of that. It turns out I had a nine centimetre tumour, which I had no idea was there because it was right at the back. It felt like a hard boiled egg actually by the time I found it. Um, and I, it was triple negative breast cancer, which is the most aggressive form and I was then put on a program of chemotherapy. And then I had a mastectomy. And I had two lots of lymph nodes removed. Um, the only time I cried was that day. When I got home and Billy wasn't there. I got home before him. <laughs> and I was on my own in the house and I just cried and cuddled the dog. <laughs> um, but after a while, you know, I got used to this idea I was going to have to have treatment, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And, but one day I sat down and I wrote a list about what was good about having cancer, what's going on in my brain, and what was bad. So this is my list that I wrote. I, I wrote it in my notes on my phone, so I looked at it again last night, and this is what I wrote, bad. The allotment went to pot. Still a bit gone to pot. (laughs) I had extremely low energy levels. I could hardly walk on some days. I just couldn't do all the stuff I wanted to do. You know, I'm quite active. I like to do things, especially crafting and gardening and all that. I couldn't do it. Couldn't even do the housework. We had to get the cleaner in. Natalie, bless her heart. (laughs) Um... I felt horrible after chemo. I remember coming home one day after chemo and I was sitting knitting and and then suddenly I woke up <laughs> and I was still sitting up with the knitting needles in my hand. It was just horrible. The lack of energy, the tiredness, the, the feeling of sickness, the horrible taste in your mouth. I mean, I think I, I came off very lightly, to be honest, compared to some people's journey of chemotherapy. And I couldn't help with the grandchildren either. It was impossible. I just didn't have the energy to help with them and I missed them. But then I wrote down a list of what's good. And this list far outweighed all the bad stuff. Of course, under bad it was, I might die as well, just as a aside. But under good I had, it's a slower life, a more thoughtful life, a more reflective life. I had new hair. No, I didn't choose this. As you can see by the picture that was shown earlier, I used to have long blonde hair, but uh, now I don't. So I got a new look. Hey, excitement. (laughs) Um, I experienced huge love from people in this church and beyond. People were so kind, so loving. I had messages, I had cards, I had presents. Even from people I didn't know that well. It was wonderful. I felt so loved. I was talking with family more deeply. My children having to get used to the fact that I might not be here for much longer. We had great conversations. They were caring. They were loving. They were saying things to me they might not have said before. I had a more carefree attitude. Well, if I'm going to die, let's do it anyway. You know? Um, Just feeling love for my grandchildren more, and my children. Counting my blessings. I was doing that more. I was loving my home, loving my beloved Maltese dog. (laughs) More and more. And I want to say this. I was experiencing the incredible NHS. Who works for the NHS here? Anybody? Yeah, Ola, Nicola, anybody else? Sorry if I've missed you, yeah. Sheena, if you, if you work for the NHS, I love our NHS and I will fight for it. Okay, I won't go any further with that one. But I love our NHS. They were so kind, they were so caring, so good, so thoughtful. Brilliant treatment in the middle of a pandemic. I came to know what's important. I had time to rethink life ahead, whatever there was left of it. But this was what surprised me. I felt the truth of my faith, and I can honestly say I was not afraid to die. I didn't want to die, let's put that little caveat in, I did not want to die because I got kids, I got grandkids, I got my dog, I got things I want to do, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, him. (laughs) He's a given. (laughs) (laughs) But I realized, hey, I'm not afraid to die. And I thought about that. Why am I not afraid to die? Because I really feel in my heart that I'm loved by God, that He has a place for me, that this is not the end. Death is not the end. I've often likened it in the past to a baby in the womb. Here, on earth, we're like babies in the womb. We're in this dark, cosy place. It's nice and warm. We get constantly fed. Well, it's a bit like that sometimes. You know, I don't want to leave this nice womb, thank you very much. I want to stay here and enjoy all the benefits of being alive. But actually... When we're born as babies, we come into a whole new world beyond what we could have imagined when we were in the womb. And heaven is like that. When we are born into heaven, when we die, (laughs) paradoxically, there's a whole new realm we have no idea about here on earth. So why be afraid? And God loves us. We are citizens of heaven now. Now. We sang, didn't we? The grave has no claim on me. No, it doesn't. Death has lost its grip on me. Yes, it has. Does that feel true to you? Does it feel true to you that dying is going home, that being with Jesus is the best thing ever, even despite all the things we have here? I just want to read you a little passage from this book, Imagine Heaven. It's got loads of testimonies in it. It's a powerful book. And in fact, Julian now runs a course based on this book called Imagine Heaven for people who want to find out more about God. So it's a bit like Alpha, but it's about heaven. So it's interesting. So this is a man called Dean. And he died. And this was what he said when he came back to life, eventually. Jesus is pure light. His brightness was before me, around me, part of me and in me. He's brighter than the noonday sun, but we can still look at him in heaven. Jesus is more beautiful, wonderful and glorious than I can explain. Everything about Jesus is love. His love for you is so personal it seems as if it is only for you. You realise that he has cared for you forever and will continue to care for you forever. His love is alive. It's more than just a sense. You are becoming his love. You are his love. Jesus loves us completely. It was like I was the only one he loved in all of his creation. I knew he loved others, but it seemed as if I was the only one. And then he goes on to quote, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So this book is absolutely full of testimonies of people who've gone to heaven, met Jesus, but come back to life. Usually because God still has a purpose for them here. It doesn't always happen to everybody like that, but these testimonies are powerful and give us a glimpse of heaven. So often our anxieties and worries come from our fears, and ultimately a fear of death. So does it feel true to you that God loves you? Does it feel true to you that you belong to him? Does it feel true to you that he cares for you? Does it feel true to you that death is simply going home? You know, the Bible says in one place um, that the heart is deceptive above all things. That really troubled me, that, that phrase. And people would say, oh yeah, you can't trust your emotions, you can't trust your feelings, and I thought, doesn't sit right with me and then one day I just had a thought it's not the emotions of the heart that are deceptive it's what we believe in our hearts you see we can believe all this Christianity stuff in our heads but if we don't believe it in our hearts it won't make a blind bit of difference to our lives Joshua and Caleb believed in their hearts that they could go into the promised land. They believed in their hearts. So what do we need to do with the beliefs in our hearts that are doing us no good? Like if, if you say, no, I don't quite believe that God loves me. There's something missing there then nothing can change that. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face. Oh, yes, God loves you, all right. Don't worry. But unless you believe it in your heart, it's not going to be true for you. So what's the answer to that? Well, there's only one. And that is revelation. Theo prayed, show us Jesus again. Show us. So that's my prayer. If you don't believe that God has a place for you, if you don't believe in your heart that God loves you, that you belong to him, that death is not the end, then go to Jesus and say, please show me again. Show me your love. Show me again who you are. Ask him for that revelation revelation is the key and he will honor that because he is love and he can't be anything else
0: so let's just let's just pray shall we love casts out fear and when we know that love there's no need to fear or to be anxious about anything and so we pray Lord for that revelation to come to each one of us and for whatever anxieties there may be in our hearts around the specific we've talked about today about the transition of leadership about the economy about death itself about global war. We we pray, Lord, settle in our hearts your peace. Your peace, Lord, that is beyond understanding. It just makes sense on one level. But I pray in this time of turmoil and chaos that we, your people, would be marked by the peace that surrounds our hearts and our minds, I pray. Just, Holy Spirit, for those who may be struggling in, with this in anxiety right now we pray come touch them in a unique individual way this morning bring in that revelation of your love Lord I know that your word brings life And so, Lord, speak your word into the deepest places of our hearts, I pray. We might move forward with you into this next season, this next era of our lives individually and as a community. Into that future of hope and freedom and peace and shalom I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.